Pastor Xavier Reese says you're bound to lose that love and feeling if love is not rooted in action. Paul does not use adjectives to describe agape love, but he uses verbs, 15 of them. He shows that agape love is active, never static. He shows that agape love is concerned with others, not self. He shows agape love is not uh, based on human potential, but God's. Each of us will be brought to the end of ourselves only through agape love. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most love stories you read about in books or see in a movie are great for depicting how much in love the man and woman felt. Standing in stark contrast, though, in what's thought of as the love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, is the simple truth that love is much more than an emotion. True love is primarily an action. In fact, in a message titled, The More Excellent Way, Pastor Xavier explains how agape love is the very driving force for the exercising of the gifts of the Spirit. Let's listen. The Apostle Paul has declared the state of the Corinthians as carnal and contrast to spiritual, which is the reason why they're having so many problems. And this is why the church has so many problems today. The church is carnal. It's hard to tell a Christian from the person in the world today. I mean, I was in the world, I was in the world. No ever but about it. I didn't want to be a Christian. But I'm a Christian now. So I got to be careful not to be like the world. The very heart of the life of carnality is love for self and above others based on our human potential, which is sinfulness. As I tell you often, people say, man is good. I say, finish the sin. Good for nothing. They had quarrel parties and divisions. They're glorifying themselves rather than the Lord. They were acting as babes, choosing favorite teachers, thinking they were spiritual in doing so. And they were tolerating there with incest in the church, lawsuits and believers fornicating with temple prostitutes, and, and they thought they were spiritual. They were denying their mates their sexual conjugal rights, thinking they would be more spiritual, and then being self-righteous and legalistic over the single life. They were stumbling the new believers and the meat and offerings to idols, not thinking of them. They did not think to deny themselves but rather live for themselves. And God says, you're in danger of judgment. And he did judge some of those in chapter 11. He killed some and he made others sick. And they had become disorderly in public worship regarding the women, the Lord's Supper, the gifts being exercised like the circus-type atmosphere. Look at me, look at me. No, we don't want to look at you. Sit down. All of this can be attributed to living and acting in a carnal way, not yielding to God's agape love. So he nails them now. So Paul just taught in 12 that the gifts are diverse and the unity is magnified. That diversity magnifies unity. Working in harmony as they seek the Lord, edifying the body of Christ, not themselves. So the section's a unit. Chapter 12, 13, and 14 has to be looked at a unit, okay? But now... Paul shows them the more excellent way to manifest the gifts through agape love, and he describes it from a three full vantage points. Let me read here. And again, I'll begin with um, the last verse of chapter 12. He says, And yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become 
a sounding brass and clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, and so I could remove mountains and uh, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, holds all things, endures all things, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they shall cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also have known. And now by faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Here's a threefold vantage point that he shows, he describes love to be the motivative and the intent for the exercise of the gift of the Spirit. First, you have the preeminence of love. The last half of verse of 12 all the way to verse 3 of chapter 13. The preeminence of love. 4 to 7, the potential of love. And 8 through 13, the permanence of love. So you have preeminence, potential, and the permanence of love. If he just lines them up, it's a great exposition that he gives to us. Let's begin here. The preeminence of love. Notice the Apostle Paul declared that all believers have the ability to manifest love. Don't miss that. Paul declares that all believers should seek to be vessels of God's agape love. He says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. He stated this in contrast to their seeking gifts through self-seeking motives in the previous chapter. Because they were flashy gifts and they were just looking at themselves. Now, the phrase more excellent means to throw beyond, uper boli, to throw beyond. It will indicate that this excellent way is agape love. That's what he's going to point out. The phrase is used to show the superiority, the excellence, and the surpassing quality in contrast to something else. Now, the contrast often reveals the other thing to be inferior, but this should not be the case here because the gifts of God are God's gift, and the only distinction of greater excellence here is twofold. First, that all of God's people can possess and manifest agape love. Not everybody can possess all the gifts. Secondly, that all the gifts are recognized by God for reward only if we exercise them out of agape love. God's not going to get impressed by you about how much you've done. He's going to say, why did you do it and how did you do it? And then he rewards you. But don't think you impressed God. <laughs> now, he just stated his desire for all to earnestly desire the best of the gifts at the end of the last chapter there, verse 31. The best gifts are those that edify the body, as you know, except for tongues, unless it's interpreted, and then it serves as prophecy. Not all desire the best gifts. Some people want the flashy gifts. Nobody's ever asked me to pray for the gift of giving in 32 years. Because it's not flashy. Give the helps. Not all have the same position in the body. You're a little toe. Don't try to be a foot. You know nothing about walking. Just hang tight. 
Simple. Not all get the position and gift that they want. God severally gives as he wills, but we're to seek it knowing that he's sovereign, knowing that he knows best, right? Not all have the same gifts, or all the gifts for that matter. Not all desire the more excellent way. Here it's road or path. They don't want the path that leads to the benefit of others, the glory of God. They want that which leads to the benefit of themselves and the glory of themselves. See, that's the problem. That's you and me. Okay? I don't want you to think of believer or non-believer. This, this is Christians. Okay? The new man, he's doing good. The old man, he hasn't got a bit better. So I got to crucify him daily. Put him out of business. Now, Paul declared the preeminence of agape love here. He will mention the more excellent way nine times, agape, in the chapter. The word for love, agape, which expresses God's love for sinful man, is without any merit or worth in the New Testament. Best coined in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You want a very simple definition of agape love? Giving, giving, giving others. That's it. That's not natural for us. And he uses agape love here distinct from the other Greek loves. You know that the Greek love for eros is sexual love, physical love. Nothing wrong with that. God made it for a man and a woman. The law of nature teaches us that. Okay? Nothing wrong with it in the context of marriage. You take it out of marriage, it becomes destructive, becomes ugly, a lot of problems. Okay? But it's for a man and a woman. Not for two men, not for two women. Okay? That's unnatural. If you only have two men and two women, that's the end of mankind. No more population. Simple. There's the other word, phileo. Phileo is mental plane love, emotional love. And we like the same things, we get along, and we're just good friends. But somewhere along now, we're going to crash heads. We're going to disagree. So if my love is based upon sexual love, I'm going to trade you in the new model as soon as it comes out. If it's based on emotional love, I'm going to manipulate you. I'm going to get my way. Guys do it all the time to women. They go, I thought you loved me. Because women, you're more emotional than men. I'm moved by what I see. Women, you're moved by what you feel. Basic difference. God didn't make a mistake. He wired you that way. You understand? Then you have the Greek word storge, which means for family love between husband, wife, children, and extended families. Those are all legitimate loves. But agape love is important because it blossoms those other loves. Without agape love, then the sexual love is abused and manipulated. The emotional love is worked. In the family, it's abandoned or abused either. Okay? That's the way we are. That's the potential of man. And so agape love is coined, uh, really in the New Testament for that description, 330 times it appears in different forms. 330 times. It blossoms the sexual love in marriage. It blossoms and protects the emotional love, not abuses it. It guards and is responsible for the family love. It was translated charity in the old King James from the Latin Vulgate, having the idea of goodness, kindness, or generosity. Sometimes we still hear the word, but it's a dirty word to our community now. In the United States, charity meant that you were benevolent, you gave to people who had less. That's what the word charity means, okay? But we've gotten away from that. It's from the Latin Vulgate, and that's the old King James. So without love, all things are cheapened, even the gifts, and cannot reach their full potential. You understand? When I don't yield to God, but listen, every time I have yielded to God, but love, I have never failed. But every time I have not yielded to God, but love, I have failed every time without exception. It's just real simple. Notice verse 1. The Apostle Paul declared the ability to speak words without love make a person mere noise. Do I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love? 
This is agape love. I have become sounding brass and clanging symbol. Paul indicated if he spoke with various languages of men, of the earth. Now, he uses himself here primarily as the example, exercising the gifts of the spirit without agape love. The personal pronoun I, here it's used. It will be applied throughout the, the text here, the first three verses, applying it to himself. And here he tells that he speaks in tongues more than you all as we get into the next chapter, chapter 14, 18. He says, I speak in tongues more than you all. He just finished speaking about tongues, okay? And he's going to speak about it because it's a problem gift. doesn't mean it's not legitimate. But again, he places agape love has to be behind it. Now, he probably spoke at least three languages in human languages on the earth, probably Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Paul indicated also now that a person speaking in the language of angels. Now, we have no idea whether such a thing can be, but scriptures are silent about it. But nevertheless, there must be some communication in heaven. If you don't remember that Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 12, 4, he was caught up to the third heaven, right? And he heard things there that were unlawful to share, inexpressible. And so maybe he's making reference to that. He doesn't qualify it. He just says it. But these are not hypothetical things. These are real things that he's using as illustrations, Okay. He uses the two as examples to illustrate his point here. Now, the context of this section, spiritual gifts, we have to assume that Paul again is referring indirectly to the gift of tongues he just finished and that which he will center in the next chapter. It's like a sandwich, okay? Now, Paul points out notice that a person exercising these impressive languages without having agape love in his heart as the motive and intent behind those words becomes like a sounding brass and clanging cymbal. It means nothing. The word sounding means a roaring, and it is used for the sea in Scripture. The word clanging means a ring uh, loudly from the root word to shout as soldiers went and entered into battle. So sounding brass, clanging cymbals, in the sense that the words have no effect or benefit for the person's Ears. Without agape love, I say nothing because it's love for self. And all of us know exactly what we're talking about here <laughs> because we were good sinners. We were committed sinners. We were faithful sinners. Now we're to do that on the other side. But we got to trust the Lord for it. We can't be looking in ourselves for it. Now look at verse 2. The Apostle Paul declared that the ability to exercise spiritual gifts without agape love makes a person nothing. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So Paul indicates the old person may have the gift of prophecy, preaching or predicting future things um, by the anointing of the Spirit or by the inspiration. It doesn't mean anything. He's nothing. If he has the ability to understand all mysteries, knowledge, He's the wisest man. But as it doesn't have a God, he's nothing. If he has all faith to remove mountains, he's nothing. Though he exercises his spiritual gifts without agape love, without the motive and intent behind it, he becomes nothing. Nothing in the sense that it doesn't honor God. Nothing in the sense that it doesn't please God. Nothing in the sense that he will not be rewarded by God. You see, when we go through the beam of seed of Christ, silver, gold, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, all the goodies are going to be put on the fan belt. Some of us are going to be like that at the end of the belt. And God says, next. 
Boom. Crispy critter, gone. Now you're saved by fire because you're saved by grace or faith. That's for reward. Why you did the things you did. He's not going to be concerned about how much, once again. But why did you do it and how did you do it? For love or for yourself? Look at three. The Apostle Paul declared that the ability to do uh, works of great sacrifice without agape love profit a person nothing. Paul points out, though a person gives all his money to feed the poor. So this is one of these benevolent philanthropists. And, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and the word they're bestowed, it means to feed and to break off a piece and put a crumb of food in a person's mouth. The word in this form is found only one other time in the New Testament, Romans 12, 20. Listen to it. If your enemy hungers, feed him. Same word. So you're benevolent. You feed, you do all this and that. But if love's not behind agape love, then you're nothing. Paul points out, though a person may give their body to be burned. Now, here's another extreme. And now, this is real stuff that he's talking about now. Though I give my body to be burned, this is a sacrifice of a martyr for your faith in Christ or whatever it may be. Now, there are others who believe that this is boasting, and they say, even some of your Bibles may say that this is not found in the best of manuscripts. They're talking about the Sinaiticus and Vatican as one of the two, which is a wrong and a lie. It is found in 5,000 other ones, the Texas Receptus from Antioch, which is the King James and New King James. So your footnotes by the Bible uh, publishers are, are, are really not, not very truthful. So you have to be careful, okay? Um, Linsky states this, the works of love are often imitated by those who have no love and yet desire to enjoy the praise of love. That's sinful man. Note as Paul pointed out, though a person exercises great works of sacrifice without love as their motive and intent, it profits nothing. Nothing at all. Now, the Bible says no greater love has a man that he laid down his life for his friend, right? But Paul goes behind it. God says, God looks at the intent. You see? Why did you do it? If I have not love, it profits me nothing. God does not acknowledge it. God does not honor it. God will not reward it. So without agape love, I benefit from nothing. Nothing. Oswald Chambers said, quote, God's battering always comes in commonplace ways through commonplace people. <laughs> We're just normal instruments, ladies and gentlemen. God has put this treasure in this earthen vessel that the glory may be of God, not of ourselves. But the vessel must be broken. We don't like to break the vessel. We, we are enamored with the vessel. We want to polish the vessel. No, the only way God's glory can be seen is for the vessel to be broken. Back in, in Joshua, he had the pitchers, the, the lanterns inside them, and they yelled the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and all at one time broke the pitchers and the light all at one time. We get enamored with the preacher, with the person. Oh, no, no forget the guy. It's the glory inside the vessel. Break the vessel. Don't be enamored with the vessel. The glory is of God. The same goes for you if you yield. No person possesses agape love naturally. You know that. Each of us have a sin nature and continue to have a sin nature. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, children wrath by nature. Romans 6, 6, 6, 11. We reckon the old man dead, but we reckon him dead daily. It's spiritual warfare. 
I wish I could tell you that I haven't sinned since I've been saved, but I'm just like you, a sinner. Each of us are naturally given to self-love, selfishness, catered to our flesh. Ephesians 5.29, Paul says, Husbands, if you will love your wives as you love yourself, you'll do great. No man ever yet hated his own body. Take your sinful practice, not do it the other way, and you'll please heaven. <laughs> wow. So much for psychology. Low self-esteem. No. We have very high self-esteem. We love ourselves. See those guys in the gym? All the time. Right in front of the mirror. That's our flesh. We love it. Nothing wrong with exercising. It's the love for self that's bad. We think better of ourselves than we really are. All of us. Each of us will be brought to the end of ourselves only through agape love. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Jeremiah 79 says, the heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? I know the potential of my depravity. This much. God knows this much. I've only seen the tip of the iceberg. He knows what's underneath that sucker. And it's not pretty. The potential of me is bad, bad news. But don't look so smug. It's the same with you. Preeminence of agape love is God's proclamation. Now, secondly, the potential of love. Look at verse 4 through 7. The apostle Paul declared the positive character of love now. Paul does not use adjectives to describe agape love, but he uses verbs, 15 of them, all in the present tense. He shows that agape love is active, never static. He shows that agape love is concerned with others, not self. He shows agape love is not uh, based on human potential, but God's. In fact, if you put Jesus' name there, you can go through it right away, all the way through it. But if you put your name there, you can't even get started. I mean, look at verse 4. John suffers, I can't say long. <laughs> Xavier suffers, no. But I can put Jesus suffers long. So you can substitute Jesus and agape love, and you can go through the whole list. Paul the Apostle here stated, agape love suffers long. Notice that. That's the first thing he says. It means it's made up of two words, long and passion. The word means to be able to endure long, to be patient and bearing the offenses and injuries of others, not circumstances. The ability to control resentment in the face of provocation. I think David is a good example of this. Remember when Shemaiah, as he was fleeing from Absalom, and he kept Joab from going over and killing him. He was throwing rocks at him and cursing at him. God humbled David. See, when we're humble before God, then we can allow God to work through us. But when we think we deserve what we have and we're better, then we're, we're arrogant, even as Christians. Paul stated, agape love is kind, mild, gentle, tender-hearted, gracious is what it means. As powerful as God is, he wants to deal with man in kindness for his good. Kindness is one of God's attributes, as you know. The nature of God's kindness is to bless. It is never inactive, but rather always active to benefit mankind. One of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness in Galatians 5.22. The Good Samaritan would be a good example of kindness. The Pharisee went on the other side and the priest on the other side. They were too holy. They couldn't be concerned. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing to a close our time today, illustrating some characteristics of true love, agape love, as defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you've missed any part of today's presentation, you can go online and hear it again anytime by use of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Or if you prefer, you can always request a copy of today's important study, simply titled, The More Excellent Way. This is a great way to pass this message on to someone else you know, or take the time to study more in-depth yourself. It's available for just $4, and the title to ask for once again is The More Excellent Way. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. How many times have we heard the proverbial question, What is love anyway? Well, join us next time for the most complete description you'll find anywhere. That's next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com